the confessions of American Christians recovering from American Christianity. This is the world we made. This is Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host, joined by Pastor Jacob Menzel. This is part three of our discussion on fatherhood with Pastor Tim Bailey. Uh, next week, we'll be actually getting into more specifics. Actually, I should stop you right there and say next week, we begin getting into a lot of specifics. Yeah, if the first season of World We Made was like 70% big picture, 30% how shall we then live, this season kind of ended up reversing that. Yeah, we'll be talking about discipline, raising teenagers, protecting your family from sexual sin all kinds of practical stuff. Yeah, but we're not there yet. No, we had some big issues to cover first, including the nature of when to submit to bad fathers. Yeah, but we actually didn't get there right away either. We began with Tim opening up for us the nature of fatherhood in spheres besides just the home. And he began to do that by telling us the story of his first job as a pastor. Yeah, at a certain point, he began preaching through the Ten Commandments to his first congregation, and that's when the light bulb went on. Well, the minute I started the Ten Commandments, I mean... (laughs) It was mind-boggling. All of a sudden, you felt immediately the fear of God coming into the congregation. And of course, that was preceded by my coming to the fear of God as I prepared. I had learned to love the Puritans, so I decided that I'd heard something about a guy named Thomas Watson, so I decided I would use Thomas Watson's uh, The Ten Commandments as preaching. And thank, thank God that I was a reader. I don't know how I could possibly have used Watson if I had not grown up reading in a, in a home without a television, where we just ver- read voraciously, all of us. Because it gave me the ability of reading an old Puritan who was more meaty than anything I'd ever, well, I suppose he wasn't <laughs> as meaty as John Owen in The Death of Death and the Death of Christ, which I had done a paper on for Dr. Nicole in seminary. But other than that, I mean, every single phrase, you know, you'd read him on each commandment and you just feel like you should just shoot yourself. I mean, why would you even bother saying anything or writing anything when you could just read Thomas Watson out loud? It took me years (laughs) to get over that problem as a pastor. So anyhow, I began to go through and I got to the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. First command with a promise. And I opened Watson up. And I read a little incidental statement where he says that every authority in society is a father and that we're not just being called to honor our birth fathers and mothers, but we're being called to honor every father of a society. He went off about kings, about judges, and I put in my book, Daddy Tried, I say, I think if my, remember my words correct, I say my mind exploded because that statement helped me to understand that feminism was not an attack upon men, but it was an attack upon God. That man is not a father because he, he fathers a son, but man is a father because by virtue of his sex, he bears the image of God, the Father Almighty, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and earth gets its name. And so it really was a cataclysmic 
time for me, realizing that fatherhood is everywhere and that we owe all our fathers honor. Don't misunderstand me. Don't go thinking that because I realized this, that ever since then I've been godly. Uh, my whole life I've had trouble driving the speed limit. I don't think I'm much better now than I was younger, although I don't get as many tickets. I'm somebody who's actually had to take an online course for the state of Indiana because of my tickets for speeding. I do not appreciate being pulled over by a police officer, and I fully admit that that is in direct contradiction to what I've just said, and I'm not proud of it, but it would be a pathetic life if we only taught and believed the truths we lived. I think we ought to live the truths we teach and believe. I think that that is the nature of leadership, that you never are living beyond the truths that you believe and teach. You're always living short of them. And the difference between that and hypocrisy is not one that's easy to define. And so I read that in Watson, and all of a sudden I realized that the fifth commandment was everywhere. And I also realized that the fifth commandment was there because God is the Father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. And it wasn't what all the liberals in the evangelical world and in my denomination were saying, that we pray to God as Father because we've had fathers, and it's so much easier to pray to God as Father because we've had such good fathers. You know, that was a joke. That's not why we pray to God as Father. We pray to God as Father because Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, because that's the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, because our heart cries out within us, Abba Father, because Jesus cried out to Abba Father on the cross. That raised an obvious question, and Nathan asked it. That's what I do, baby! So there's two things that you kept saying. You said um, God's fatherhood is everywhere, and then you said fatherhood is only true or right insofar as it honors and reflects God's fatherhood. How do we live between the tension of those two statements? In other words, a cop is only reflecting God's fatherhood insofar as he's a good cop. The world is full of corrupt ones, but I still need to respect a cop or my because boss. by virtue of him being a cop, right. he is a father. Right. Just a bad Well, one. first of all, you watch your language. Even though your brother's a cop, I find it helpful to always refer to them as policemen or law enforcement officers because... I was in high school at the time when everybody, you know, the Chicago guys on trial and the, everybody was calling them pigs, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to call police officers cops growing up. Yeah. My dad and my grandfather were both police officers. Yeah, and I despise Donald Trump as a person, but I also despise Barack Obama as a person because of his advocacy of partial birth abortion. I never got over that. And yet I discipline myself always to write of them as President Barack Obama, President Donald Trump. But I think that's the first thing. And now why do we refer him as President Donald Trump? Well, not because he's honorable. I, I haven't read anybody making the case that Donald Trump as a man is honorable. But so why do we call him president? Well, because it's an office. That's what we always have to remember is you can't despise an office. You must honor the office because all authority is, is set over us by God. And so despite how bad police officers, law enforcement officers, presidents, husbands, fathers, despite how bad we can be in reflecting God's fatherhood, we hold an office and that dignity, you know, you think of David, King David, refusing to attack Saul multiple times when he had him in his sights, that he ended up even apologizing for cutting off a part of his cloak. And that's not stupidity on David's part. That is David honoring the king. And that king was absolutely 
godless. The Holy Spirit had been taken from him. He was trying to kill God's own anointed. So I, I think that's how I would respond. I would say that I know that usually with men your age, this would be said simply as a way of shirking responsibility and authority. I pray that that's not the case with me. But we must teach the people what I so often say, which is Calvin makes the point many times that if God wanted, he could have sent an angel to preach to churches. But he chose not to. He chose to send them fallen men, you know, with feet of clay, so that, and then this is what's fascinating, he says, because it will unify the church by having everybody have to be humble and eat from the hand of one of their inferiors. I think the same thing is true of children and a wife under a husband. It unifies the family to have to be under a man who is their inferior. And I don't say that to shirk responsibility and authority as a pastor, as a preacher, as a father, I hope. But I say it to say there has never been an authority who is anything other than a sinner. Never. The Bible doesn't stop and say, you know, you should be like Sarah, except when Sarah presented herself as Abraham's uh, sister twice and, and corrupted her son also so that he did it with his wife. The Bible just expects us to be big boys and big girls and to understand that when it tells us to submit to authority, it's not telling us that authorities are good or perfect or anything of the sort. Let the clerk record that Tim Bailey is being silent. <laughs> <laughs> And that raised an even more obvious question, and Nathan asked... That's what I do, baby! Well, let me ask the dumb question that everybody's going to want to ask. Does that mean I should uh, obey authorities when they, when they tell me to sin? Yes, you should obey your authority when he tells you to sin. Now, I've got your attention. And so what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, I have pitied husbands in this church who have wives who never stop showing them their sins. And, and those women at the same time would claim to be submissive wives. And honestly, they never stop pointing out their husband's sins, their husband's faulty doctrine, their husband's lack of leadership. They live to destroy their husbands. Every authority can have the people who are under him objecting to almost everything he does because it's sinful. If I decide after dinner that I don't want to have devotions and I want to go out and play volleyball with my family, my wife can object and tell me I'm in sin and sit inside and have a hissy fit. If I had a wife like that, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. And there are a lot of Christian women like that. And that's why I started out by saying, yes, if he tells you to sin, you should do it. Because in fact, Going out and playing volleyball instead of having devotions is sin. For some reason, Daddy wants to play volleyball, and we have to learn to submit. Now, my father had several occasions where, when he got done speaking, you know, he'd go around the country speaking. When he got done speaking, a woman would come up to him, this happened to him at least twice, and tell him that her husband had commanded her to commit adultery. And in at least one of the cases, if not both of them, it was a couple that had taken the seminar in basic youth conflicts under Bill Gothard. And they cited Bill Gothard as justification for her submitting to her husband, telling her to commit adultery. In one case, it was a buyer, a large client of her husband who was a salesman. 
and he wanted to sweeten the pot and so he threw his wife in. And she asked dad whether that was right or wrong. And you won't be surprised to know that not only did my father say it was absolutely wicked for the husband to do that, that it would be wicked for the wife to agree to do it, to even think of do it. But he then went on and publicly took on Bill Gothard on that and tried to get Bill Gothard to publicly condemn that. He figured if he'd had several people talk to him about it, there were probably people all over the country who had made that application of Bill Gothard's teaching on authority. And so if you want a clean rule of when you should obey the authority who tells you to sin and when you shouldn't, I can't give you that. But I can tell you that there's no way to be submissive to a man or a woman, to a father or a mother, to a husband, to a pastor, to elders. There is absolutely no way of submitting that does not involve you following them at times in sin and error. What are you going to do? You're going to go through your life being your own authority and just judging everyone? All that is is a rebel. That's not somebody honoring authority, and yet I know a lot of them will claim that they're very submissive wives, and it's because they're submissive to God that, you know. And it's interesting that we've had people like that in this church who make a big show of being submissive wives. And that submission only goes so long as their husband is not being exposed in his sin. <laughs> and the minute the elders are dealing with their husband's sin, and most typically it's drunkenness and pornography in the home, in full view of the children. And at that point, if the elders say, you may not submit to your husband in subjecting your family to this, and we say to her something like, you need to not leave this church. You know, you confront a guy like that, he'll leave the church, right? And he'll yank his wife and his children. And we say, no, do not follow him away from the place that he has been rebuked by the fathers of the church. And all of a sudden, she doesn't submit to the elders. And it's just such a joke. People like this are just rebels. They make a big show out of submitting to their husbands, but they're rebels. What they really do is they control their husbands through their censoriousness, through their judgments, through their bragging, through their flattery of their husbands, through their lying to their female friends. Godly people know when to say no to their husbands. Godly people know. And godly people know that there is a time when the authority of the elders of a church, which is over the authority of a father of a household, that that authority needs to be submitted to, even to the detriment of peace and harmony at home with her husband. In our circles today, in conservative church circles, we can't say often enough that a wife and children are to submit to a husband and to a father, but only so far as that husband and father is in submission to God and to Christ's church, and that there will come times in some families where that father will command his family, and the most typical one is he'll command his family to leave their church, including vulnerable children who are very, very bound up with the other kids. It's a good church. They're, they're being nurtured and cared for and taught. And because he's rebuked about drunkenness and, and, and pornography, and we're not talking about a dalliance. We're talking about gross, gross sin in front of his family. That mother is foolish to decide that she's going to honor her husband by leaving her church. That's a case where her husband's sin is to be condemned by his wife and she's to resist it.
Made was produced and executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jacob Menzel. You can find more great content at warhornmedia.com or follow us on social media under at warhornmedia. Next week, we get practical. We begin talking discipline. everybody if you enjoyed today's program be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash out of our minds where you can sign up to support out of our minds which is the home for the writing of tim bailey and many others on our very own warhornmedia.com it's also the home of this very podcast also be sure to listen to me and jake's other podcast sound of sanity each week jake myself our beloved engineer ben and the kooky denizens of sanityville take you on a kaleidoscopic comedic journey through sex, family, church, culture, and pop culture. There's skits, songs, debates, and some good old-fashioned preaching all designed to remind you that you, Christian, are the sane one. It's them that are crazy. It's a show that's come a long way from its humble beginnings. I really love it. Check it out. It drops every Tuesday on warhornmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts.